We are less than one month away from the presidential election, and everybody wants to know who will win, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Unfortunately for Donald Trump, the national polling average has him winning by almost double digits. Over at the RCP average, Trump v. Biden, 51.3 in favor of Biden, 42.1 for Trump, a 9.2 lead. And already I can hear the noise. Trump supporters saying, Tim, Tim, the national polling doesn't matter. The battleground states are what's important. Will Donald Trump win the Electoral College? Unfortunately, Joe Biden is up 4.3 points among key battleground states, suggesting that Joe Biden's going to win. In fact, the polling is worse for Trump now than it was with Hillary Clinton in 2016. And 538 has reduced the likelihood in their statistical model as to whether or not Donald Trump will actually win. So I'm sorry to say to all those Trump supporters, if Donald Trump were to actually win, it would be the biggest upset probably in American history. And maybe, in all fairness, he's actually going to lose. I don't know for sure. But I can tell you this. We have, we have new data, relatively new. It's from the past couple of months. And new data on voter enthusiasm, which suggests there's a good reason why Donald Trump may just pull off one of the biggest upsets ever. Now, of course, people are concerned about mail-in voting, the legitimacy of the vote, and the censorship that we're seeing. But this might not matter all that much. Trump may still win the Electoral College, and he may, may win by thin margins, because according to a new study, there actually are secret voters, and most of them are moderates who are scared to say they'll vote for Trump. Even though the pollsters say, trust us, no one will ever find out. Long speculated. We've believed that these moderate voters would not reveal they would be voting for Trump because they're scared. It's not socially acceptable. I mean, come on. You want to be liked by, by, by Jimmy Kimmel, right? And Sarah Silverman? Well, then you gotta hate Trump. But most people are probably sick and tired of cancel culture, the far left, and they like the economy. Because when it comes to polling, the area where Trump wins, the economy. He's beating Biden. And as they always say, or at least since the 90s, it's the economy, stupid. You got to see this stuff from cloud research. We got a bunch of PhDs showing us they've done the research, but it's not just about the secret voters. Pew Research actually tells us straight up people do lie to pollsters. It's interesting. But more in more importantly, although voter enthusiasm is running high, Donald Trump is dominating that enthusiasm. And most people who say they're going to vote for Biden are not enthusiastic about it. However, they are enthusiastic for voting against Donald Trump. Now, that would be bad news for Trump if only this was remarkable. According to Gallup, it's not. Voter turnout looks like it's going to be steady. That means there's not going to be a big boon in Democrat voters what they needed to defeat Trump now. And if it's true that Trump's favorability is higher today than when he got first elected and his approval rating is higher than the, the average for his entire presidency and his base has only grown, New York Times said as much, with enthusiasm running high, but for Trump and voter turnout expected to be steady, Donald Trump victory. Now, we don't know for sure. And I think hubris will be the downfall of the Trump voter. Of course, you know that I've said recently, I'm going to be voting for Trump for a lot of reasons. I can't believe people would actually support Biden. And I'm not the biggest fan of Trump either. But they've got me, you know, it's one of these, uh, the, the most important election of our lives, they say. This time, I really believe it. 131 days of rioting, intersectionality, critical race theory. I mean, it looks like our values and institutions are being threatened. Now we've got the New York Times publishing an op-ed. I kid you not. 
calling for international intervention into the United States. Yeah, maybe this really is one of the most important elections we'll ever see. Let me show you this study and reveal to you what several PhDs found the Trump secret voter. This could be Trump's secret weapon that everyone's long speculated exists. Now, maybe that's not really the silent majority, but it's a silent group that's enough to give Donald Trump the lead because they show that a decent amount of individuals from Republicans to moderates actually support Trump, but lie about it. Let's read this. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. Maybe this information is important. Maybe there's a lot of people who don't know it exists and they need to because they need to realize that Trump can still win this. If you think I do a better job than the mainstream media, then the best thing you can do is share this video to help me grow and compete with them because I don't got that marketing budget they do. But also don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read the news. Cloud Research says, study, are election 2020 poll respondents honest about their vote? From several different PhDs, I'll just put it that way. I'm not gonna read everybody's name. They say background. Lately, there's been considerable debate over the accuracy of presidential polls. While recent polls show Joe Biden ahead, a number of pundits speculate that some Donald Trump supporters may be hesitant to share their true opinions when polled by phone. That hypothesis is gaining traction, leading some to argue that Trump may be leading despite what the latest numbers show. It's also being fueled by the belief that 2020 will be a repeat of the 2016 election when Trump polled poorly in advance of the election, but still went on to win the Electoral College vote. The strategy they're using, it's also the same strategy from 2016. We're seeing these massive poll gains for Joe Biden. Michelle Obama has come out and accused Trump of being racist. Here we go again. Chris Wallace asking Donald Trump the exact same question he asked last time. Well, you will you denounce white supremacy, Donald Trump? He did it last time. He did it again. Just not good enough, I suppose. They say, despite the current debate on whether there are segments of Trump or Biden backers reticent to express their true opinions in phone polls, there's been little empirical investigation into the phenomenon, into if the phenomenon actually exists. Pundits on major broadcasts and cable news networks, such as Fox News and CNN, continue to speculate on the potential impact of so-called shy Trump voters on the outcome of the November presidential election result. In a recent article published in The New York Times, David Winston says the following, the idea that people lie. It's an interesting theory, and it's not like it's completely off the wall, but it's obviously a very complicated thing to try to prove, because what do you do? Ask them, are you lying? On its face, a poll that asks people whether they lie in phone polls may not make much sense. After all, why would a person who lies in a telephone poll tell the truth about that in a different online poll? We here at Cloud Research reasoned that the issue may be methodological. To explore the issue, we restructured our survey to overcome shortcomings of previous polls. Instead of simply asking voters whom they will vote for and then ask whether they just lied, we centered our research around a general question. Are you comfortable in truthfully disclosing the presidential candidate you intend to vote for in a telephone poll? Our rationale for this approach was that there's a major difference between admitting you just lied and admitting to be genuinely concerned about disclosing your preferred candidate. For the most part, we expected to find very few shy voters. After all, telephone surveys are supposed to be anonymous. So why would people be reluctant to share their opinions? However, to the extent people said they were reluctant to express their voting preferences on a telephone poll, we were interested in their rationale for their reluctance. As a result, we included open-ended follow-up questions to better understand the factors that drive voters to fudge their responses. Our survey was conducted with 1,000 participants on Cloud Research's Prime Panels platform. 
which draws from a combination of online research panels. What we found, 11.7% of Republicans say they would not report their true opinions about their preferred presidential candidate on telephone polls. In contrast, just 5.4% of Democrats say they'd be reluctant to share their true voting intentions, roughly half the number of Republicans. 10.5% of independents fell into the shy voter category, just a percentage point lower than how Republicans react to phone polls. Now, that right there is truly fascinating. And that's what you got to consider. 10% of independents. Well, depending on which poll you're looking at, they would weigh, I think recently I was looking at one poll, it said like 26% of those who responded were independent voters. So imagine you have a 2.6, slightly higher margin of error in those polls. But then take a look at 11.7% of Republicans. So you're looking at around a 6% margin of error, including their existing margin of error, which could theoretically get you, to be fair, let's just say 7%, just based off of these numbers of shy voters. 7% is massive. Now, take the national polling average where Biden is up 92 factor in the shy voter and Biden's advantage is only around two points. That's what Hillary Clinton had when she won, in which case Donald Trump could still be on track to win the Electoral College. Now, mind you, this is very speculative because my math is fast and loose. I don't, my math could be wrong. But look at this, man. 10, 10.5% of independents are shy voters. So they're probably going to vote for Trump. We saw a poll recently from the Cato Institute that said 62% of people were actually scared to share their true opinions out of fear of offending someone. The only group of people who felt confidence in expressing their opinion were strong liberals, which was the furthest left option you could, you could actually take. Let's read a little bit more and then we'll look at some more data about secret Trump voters. They say, after asking about, asking about people expressing their true opinions on telephone calls, we then inquired about their preferred candidate. This Ordering was important as we did not want to fall into the same trap as other pollsters who tend to lead with preference declarations when we broke the responses down based on current Trump v. Biden supporters. We found the following. 10.1% of Trump supporters said they were likely to be untruthful on phone surveys, doubling the number of Biden supporters reticent to share their true intentions. So, So I don't know how many people are scared to say they'll vote for Biden. That makes no sense to me. But to be fair, we don't necessarily know how that will play out. If 10% of Trump supporters were going to be untruthful, then it sounds like the national polling for Biden could be wrong. And like we saw with the Sunday Express poll that Donald Trump himself tweeted out, Trump is actually up by one point. And that makes sense. Think about it. If the national polling average right now, according to most polls, has Joe Biden at nine points above Trump. But there is a 10 percentage point of shy Trump secret voters. Invert that. Trump goes up one point over Biden. Now, that should be truly fascinating to everybody. When respondents indicated that they were untruthful during polls, we followed up to confirm those responses and then inquired as to why shy voters are concerned. Here's what they found. Quote, I don't believe the information would be confidential. And I think it's dangerous to express an opinion outside of the current liberal viewpoint. Quote, Well, I probably wouldn't give my opinion, period. But if pushed, I would not give my real opinion for fear of reprisal if someone found out. Another one, because most polls released to the public are slanted and aren't scientifically based. So they are messing with the results of the survey from the beginning by knocking down one party or the other. I'm just trying to right the ship. I am hounded day and evening by phone solicitors. They interrupt me all the time. Sometimes my irritation takes over and I don't answer correctly. My answers could be recorded, so I don't really trust phone conversations. 
I do not discuss politics, let alone with a stranger on the telephone. I don't always trust phone surveys. I wouldn't want to be bombarded with phone calls and political mail. I don't want my opinion associated with my phone number. I am less anonymous and somewhat ashamed of my opinion as it is frowned upon. That all sounds like Donald Trump voters. In general, six concerns, a lack of trust in phone call, in phone polls, an apprehension of being anonymous, an apprehension to associate their numbers with their responses, fear that their responses will become public, fear of reprisal, a general dislike of polls, malicious intent to mislead polls, to general distrust of media and political pundits. All of these things are basically on par with a Trump voter. 10 percentage points, 10 That would put Trump one point above Biden in the national average. To me, that makes sense. You know why? I was asked by Jack Murphy. He's the man who wrote Democrat to deplorable from Democrat. Nine million people switched and voted for Donald Trump. He asked me, do you believe the conditions today that led to Donald Trump's victory are are better or worse? And I said, I think things have gotten worse. And that's like critical race theory and the Title IX stuff in colleges, social justice, cancel culture. And he said, right. So why wouldn't regular people finally be like, enough, the media, the lies, the conspiracies, the endless nonsense, just make it stop. And we're not going to make it stop by empowering the people that do it. You make it stop by empowering the man to shut down the insanity, the riots, for instance. Now, you can't shut down the fake news and the fake news might thrive under a Donald Trump second term. But people aren't I don't think Americans are going to be like, well, you've been berating me and bashing me over the head with this. I'm going to vote for you. I think they're going to be like, I'm an American. You tell me to do something I don't want to do. I say F you. Interestingly, this this data is also mirrored in a statement and a a frequently asked question from Pew Research. Now, Pew Research is very credible. Check this out. Do people lie to pollsters? We know that not all survey questions are answered accurately, but it's impossible to say that any given inaccurate answer necessarily involves lying. People may simply not remember their behavior. They basically go on to say that some people will tell them they voted for one person and they'll actually look it up and find the person lied to them. Or maybe the person was just wrong. It's a good distinction. Lying means they intend to deceive. Maybe the people just don't know. They say we take steps to minimize errors related to questions about socially desirable or undesirable activities. For example, questions about voter registration and voting usually acknowledge that not everyone takes part in elections. Pew Research Center's voter registration question is worded this way, quote, These days, many people are so busy they can't find time to register to vote or move around so often they don't get a chance to to re-register. Are you now registered to vote in your precinct or election district or haven't you been able to register so far? I don't like that idea. I think you have to ask direct questions. And if people lie, well, then you've got to figure that out. Asking them a misleading question by pre-framing it is a manipulation. But more importantly, they, they straight up say people are wrong. People give you answers that are not correct. Take into consideration this October 6, 2020 from Gallup voter turnout appears steady, enthusiasm running high. Now, a lot of people see this. And my first reaction to this was, whoa, we are going to see massive turnout. And that may be Trump's defeat. Now, maybe the voter turnout works in Trump's favor because Trump supporters are extremely enthusiastic. But as much as people aren't enthusiastic for Biden, they are enthusiastic for voting against Donald Trump. And then I read more. It's actually not a big deal. Gallup says it's not remarkable that it's actually kind of normal. Gallup's thought given to the election question has been strongly related to voter turnout in past presidential elections. Thus, the current finding is signaling that turnout of the voting age population is on track to be similar to that in 2012 and 2016 elections. 
which was in the 55% to 56 range. Voter turnout was higher in 2008, when 80% of Americans in September and 81% just before the election were giving the campaign quite a lot of thought. Turnout was also on the high side, close to 57. In 2004, when the final thought given reading was 84%, turnout was markedly lower in 2000. Uh, Thought typically increases in the final month before the election, although whether that plays out this year, given that early voting will be starting earlier than ever, remains to be seen. Turnout among independents could be lower. Now, this is interesting. This may be the actual fatigue. Independents saying, I don't care. Leave me alone. And we're seeing that partisan politics will take shape. Americans giving quite a lot of thought of the election by party. The Republicans have the advantage. Enthusiasm about voting is relatively high. But as they noted, they're expecting this to be on par with past elections. That is horribly bad news for the Democrats because they need mass voting turnout in order to win. Now, of course, COVID may have changed things. Donald Trump may be hurting because of it. Based on projections from last year into early this year, Moody's analytics, for instance, I believe it was last year, said Democrats need historic turnout to win. That's why the Democrats have been going nuts trying to remove voter ID, trying to, you know, create mass mailing, you know, universal mail-in voting, because they're desperately trying to increase their numbers. It's cheating to deceptively give yourself an unfair advantage, but they're trying. And now we're seeing all of these problems with mail-in voting, and they're blaming Trump for it. Here's the bottom line. Gallup's long-used thought given to the election question suggests that 2020 will be a fairly typical year in overall turnout. (laughs) Oh, man. If Americans' level of election attention continues to increase over the next month, as it normally would, that is also assuming voters, particularly the Republicans, who as of now are far more likely than Democrats to plan on voting in person, ultimately activate on their propensity to vote. Here's what you got to do. Go tell people to vote. We can see all of the polls suggesting that Joe Biden is going to win. Donald Trump is losing. We got some battleground polls here. But in the end, they're not going to get the turnout they need. You know, what's really fascinating to me is that the ratings for the first debate were down. They were down about like 14 or 15 million, I believe, from that, from the, from 2016's first debate. And it could be because many people migrated to online platforms for viewership like I did. You know, I watched the debates for last time on TV. I watched it this time on YouTube. That could be a reason. Or it could be that for all the fervor and all the insanity, people just don't care. They're sick of the politics. You know, I was talking to a local in my new area who said uh, she used to love watching football. She can't do it anymore because it's nothing but politics and Black Lives Matter. So she's tuned it all out. That could mean that regular people are not being activated by this Black Lives Matter protest. In fact, it's probably turning regular people off because they're sick of the riots. Now, while I can sit here and say, look at all these good things for Donald Trump, you would be a fool to believe he's got it in the bag. And the best thing you can do is go out and bring three friends with you to go vote. And and look, to be fair, you guys know I'm voting for Trump. But if you're a Biden supporter as well and you hate Trump, same rule applies. You better bring your friends out to vote, 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 vote. It's it's it's, you know, I think it's funny. I had very little faith in the elections um, in 2016. I didn't bother. Then Trump won. And I was like, there's no way the game is fixed. Like they tried cheating for sure. But you can actually if Donald Trump can win, anybody can win. So as much as I'm like, it would be nuts if Joe Biden won, the dude could probably win, man. And that would be nuts. Heaven forbid we get, you know, someone like that. Yikes. That's all I can say. Check this out. Biden leads Trump by 12 points in Pennsylvania. 
And that to me is shockingly absurd. But I think I have an answer to this. While I will first stress, absolutely, you better be, you better consider this, that they're coming for you, Trump. They're going to come and they're going to they're going to take everything. And the polls are in their favor. I think I want to highlight this information for one reason. You're going to hear the polls in favor of Biden over and over and over again. And there really is a reason Trump may win. Hey, he won in 2016. Why is it that Biden leads Trump by 12 points? Maybe it's because people have been activated. You're right, right. They see the NFL, they see the NBA, they see the protests, and they say, okay, me too. I'll, I'll, I'll be on board with this. But it doesn't mean they actually care. It means they get a phone call and they're like, do you agree with Biden? Oh, yeah, yeah, yo, yo, Biden, of course, of course I do. Okay, thank you, bye. And they click and then start eating their chips again. Then, then election day shows up and they're like, oh, yeah, it was election day. Hey, you guys want to go see a movie or something? Oh, the movie theaters are all closed. Oh, you guys want to put on the game? Oh, it's all Black Lives Matter. Let's play Call of Duty. I don't think they're going to be all that enthusiastic. I don't think they're going to show up to vote. So the polls may be, may be, I'll put it this way. You berate someone over and over again. They'll probably be like, yeah, yeah, I'm all on board. But is their enthusiasm really there? Nope. As evidenced by this, Pennsylvania GOP closed voter registration gap by over 160,000 since 2016. But Democrats point to 2020 voter uh, new edge. Pennsylvania is said to be one of the most important states. Across Pennsylvania, we're seeing something fascinating. The GOP is registering more in several key counties than the Democrats are. They're closing the gap. Will the Democrats actually care to go out and vote? Gallup says it's going to be a typical year. That's it. The Democrats won't pull out that voter turnout. We still have a month. And a month in 2020 may as well be 20 years. So who knows what's going to happen next? Trump could like do a backflip off the balcony of the White House, superhero landing, craters in the ground. And then Joe Biden is throwing chickens and who knows what's coming because it's been absolutely insane. Did you know it was only like, what, two weeks ago that uh, three weeks ago, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed? Was it three weeks ago? Man, it feels like a lifetime ago. And then Amy Coney Barrett's nominated. Then Trump gets COVID. What's going on? And the riots are all still happening. Seems like everything's going crazy. The Democrats are desperate to win for a lot of reasons. And in my personal opinion, I think it's because there's probably some impropriety that occurred among the Obama administration in sabotaging the Trump administration as they came in. Michael Flynn, for instance. We've seen enough evidence to suggest that a crime may have taken place. We'll see what the Durham probe actually unveils. But the fear now is that if Trump loses, the Durham probe goes bye bye and there will be nothing. The Mueller investigation was started under Trump. And it ended under Trump. And you can argue that Trump was obstructing and all that nonsense, but they never actually proved it. They never actually said Trump obstructed. You got all these Democrats saying Trump will go to prison if he loses. And that's that's wishful thinking. That's not going to happen. I mean, to be fair, at this point in the polls, you know, giving reasons why Trump might win is also wishful thinking, to be honest. We just don't know. And there's good reason to suggest Biden will win. So you better go drag people to the polls. But I believe that there is a real fear among many of these administration Democrats, you know, former administration, that should the Durham probe continue, they're going to get in trouble. We've already seen a, I believe it's an ex FBI lawyer was altering emails, basically making false evidence. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of process crime. I'm not convinced Obama's going to jail or anything. That, that's, that's wishful thinking for sure. But I think there's a lot of people who are terrified. And so they're pulling out all the stops for whatever reason, Hillary Clinton, told Joe Biden not to concede under any circumstances, which is weird. Like until when the Supreme Court rules in Trump's favor. And we already saw from the war games that Joe Biden 
I'm sorry, that John Podesta, as Joe Biden, would rather see the West Coast secede from the union in some kind of weird civil war redux than actually lose to Donald Trump. And I have to wonder why. Is the world ending? Come on, Trump's not that bad. One thing that should be considered, however, is that the race isn't just Donald Trump. Democrats are favored to win the Senate. Perhaps with Trump's secret vote, people are going to vote Republican down ticket. And this could be wrong. But the most important reason to consider why the Democrats are favored to take the Senate is simply because there are more Republican seats up for grabs. There are 23 Republican seats facing re-election and only 12 Democratic seats. And that means that the Democrats have an advantage. They have more area to attack and the Republicans have less. But if Trump's secret voter is real, red wave, baby. So I don't know. This could be scary to a Democrat and good news to a Republican. But I'll tell you this. Regardless of where you fall, you need to go and find three friends who are kind of like, I'm not really paying attention, and you need to bring them to the polls. You need to tell people to go out and vote. Everybody go vote. That's what we want. We want everyone in this country to vote. And I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump. I've, I've made a video about explaining I like his second term agenda. If Joe Biden wins, I'll be disappointed. And that's, you know, unfortunate, to say the least. Uh, but I, I'm not going to cry about it. If, if Biden wins, I will laugh. I'll laugh and, 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 and I'll do what I can to just carry on. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. It'll be four years and we'll see what happens. But you better do everything in your power to canvas and do everything within normal legal election stuff, like telling your friends, getting your friends to vote. People who may not be politically activated, like Michelle Obama said, she's right on that point. And uh, bring them out to the polls. Have them vote. It's the best thing you can do. We will see how things play out in about 28 days. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is my other channel, and that will be at 6 p.m. So again, thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I know I said it yesterday that Donald Trump has broken the media, but this was perfectly exemplified by CNN going full-on conspiracy theory. They're ranting and raving about a cover-up. What's happening at Walter Reed? Donald Trump is gasping for air. You would think the president of the United States walking out of a hospital, going to the White House, waving to everybody, giving a thumbs up would show that he's fine. Maybe he has some lingering, you know, uh, symptoms. Maybe he's got, you know, a cough or whatever. People get sick. And now you have unhinged conspiracy media screaming. Donald Trump has absolutely shattered what was left of the media's credibility. Uh, it still worries me because I think there's gonna be a lot of people who just blindly believe this stuff. But wow, are we seeing a whole new level of unhinged, paranoid conspiracy theory? First, I'd like to show you this short little video from The Guardian. Donald Trump appears short of breath during maskless photo op at White House video. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He literally doesn't. I don't know what else to say. He takes a few breaths. It's like he's, he's standing there and he takes the mask off and then he goes, and that's it. He's not wheezing or gasping or like curling over. The president just walked up a flight of stairs and he's 74. Could that be why he inhaled deeply? That's so crazy. How many of these journalists can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting winded because they're all out of shape? And yes, yes, I know, because I used to go on the ground and watch these journalists struggle to run, you know, half a city block before just gasping and wheezing. Check this out. 
With all due respect to Alex Jones, I said, Brian Stelter has gone full Alex Jones. He is now claiming without evidence that there is a government conspiracy involving not just Trump, but Walter Reed medical staff. These people have finally snapped. Journalists were previously claiming unhinged nonsense like Trump's photos were fake. Ooh, he was signing blank paper. The AP photographer, she was in on it. She was in on the conspiracy. Trump was faking it and that Trump was dying. I, I love I love how this whole thing is like Trump is faking it and he's dying. Congratulations. Trump walked out of the hospital and is back. Isn't that enough to convince these crackpots that he's fine? No, I guess Trump Trump is on his deathbed. Oh, here we go. Brian Stelter. Talk about losing it. Now, now here's why I did the comparison to Alex Jones. First, let me, I'm, I'm obviously being a little bit facetious, but there is some truth to the joke, right? Alex Jones does a very entertaining show. He, t- he talks about, oh no, I'm coughing now. He talks about, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I gotta be honest, I don't watch a lot of Alex Jones and stuff, but I've seen him with like the llamas, you know, that was really funny. And he's like, the llamas, you know, whatever. And then he like, he's got those videos where he yells and rips his shirt. Ah! Obviously not, uh, Brian Seltzer's not doing that, and that's worse. Because at least when people watch Alex Jones, they're like, this is clearly entertainment. And, you know, Jones can go off the rails like he did on Rogan and was talking about, you know, 5G and like, you know, cow hybrids or something, interdimensional aliens. Brian Stelter is now talking about a cover-up from the government that involves not just the president, it involves the president's staff. It involves the military pilots for Marine One. It involves the medical staff, the Secret Service. It is a grand conspiracy. But hey, Brian Stelter's just asking questions. So this is the point about Alex Jones, okay? The way they view Alex Jones is exactly what Brian Stelter and other members of the media are doing right now. We're just asking questions, man. I'm just asking questions. Uh-huh. Just asking questions. I remember that in the in the in the in the mid two thousands. Like the 9-11 truth movement, just asking questions. And I'm like, I know, dude, I get it. And you can ask questions. That's fine. So sure. But this has gone beyond that. Brian Stelter tweets, time to amend what I said Sunday. Cut the word possible. There is a clear cover up underway and reporters are chipping away at it. Brian Stelter has graduated beyond there being a question. What's going on with Trump's health to straight up telling us there's a cover up in the government. This is CNN telling us there's a government cover-up and the photographers are in on it and, and, and the medical staff's in on it and, and then the military's in on it. This is unhinged, paranoid, delusional trash. Will YouTube be taking it down? Nope. The clearest evidence of a cover-up is the White House's refusal to share Trump's COVID testing history. Read the rest in this morning's media newsletter. In a bigger picture sense, Trump is also covering up the reality of COVID-19. He is resuming his coronavirus denialism while he is still hobbled by the disease. Yes. I remember when they said, um, if, if, if it wasn't a cover up, then why don't they just release the Pentagon videos? Just release the video of the Pentagon, which like they only released some stills. Brian Stelter is playing the exact same game. And now he'll come out and the other resistance people are gonna be like, well, well, hold on. But Trump, Trump is a liar. George W. Bush was a liar. Stop, man. Trump has these people like have. Listen, terminal TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, terminal. They're they're now like you you ever see that? It's always sunny in Philadelphia episode where Pepe Silvia has got like the thing behind him and he's like banging Pepe Silvia. This is what this is what we've got now. He put it in a newsletter. Brian Stelter of CNN and Oliver Darcy have put out a, a newsletter claiming there is a government cover up involving 
all of these people. That's right. An AP photographer was secretly going, I'm not a real journalist. I'm working for Trump. <laughs> but I thought the journalists weren't the enemy of the people. I thought they were just helping. Oh, but that's right. The photographer was helping Trump stage photos to make everyone think he's fine. Bravo, CNN. Bravo. Covering a cover-up. Brian, says, Brian Stelter says, on Sunday, I believe Stelter wrote this, yeah. On Sunday, I say, I said we are covering a possible cover-up about the president's health. A possible cover-up being led by the president from his hospital room. I need to amend that statement. Cut the word possible. There is an obvious cover-up underway, and reporters are chipping away at it, trying to get to the truth. <laughs> oh, Brian Stelter is a Walter Reed truther. Seriously, the doctors are in on it, dude. Listen, conspiracies happen. They are possible. And maybe some people are lying. We know that the doctors didn't give us a clear picture of what was going on very early on. A clear cover up. Dude, but to act like all of these people are in on it when Trump of his own volition is walking just fine. This is what gets me. It's like, okay, look, man, I understand the doctors have straight up said there's HIPAA laws. They're like, why can't you tell us about Trump's diagnoses and and Trump's fever? And the doctor straight up was like, privacy laws. Like, I can't just come out here and give you all of this private information. So he's not gonna. And that's the conspiracy. That's it. Okay, listen, man. If Donald Trump like came out in a wheelchair and like and like his, you know, skin was falling off, he was like, help me, I'd be like, whoa, what's happening? He walked right out and gave a thumbs up to everybody, took his mask off, waved, and they're like, look, he's gasping for air. <laughs> it's like, maybe, maybe the president's still sick. Yeah, for sure. But to act like there's this massive cover-up is just wow. The clearest evidence of a cover-up is the White House's refusal to share Trump's testing history. When was the date of Trump's last negative test? Yahoo's Hunter Walker and other reporters asked on Monday. But Dr. Sean Conley said, I don't want to go backward. And he doesn't have to. Let's, let's, let's try this again. The clearest evidence of a 9-11 cover-up is the White House's refusal to share video evidence. Yeah, 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 we get it. You guys are insane. Now listen, I understand the government lies. Maybe there is a cover-up. Maybe there's a lot of things missing from from what really happened with 9-11. But let me tell you, just because you don't know, you know, just, just because they're not releasing certain evidence doesn't mean you actually know what happens. And the problem I have with any conspiracy theory, be it 9-11 or, or, or literally, literally anything else, is that you can find these holes in their story, but that doesn't prove a reason as to what the holes, you know, where they came from or why they exist. You know, m- maybe Trump's not covering up his health care, uh, health at all. Maybe. You know, here, here, let's, let's, let's go here. Maybe the reason Dr. Sean Conley won't tell us what Trump's fever was is because Trump didn't have one. You see, the, 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 what I'm bringing up is they're trying to claim Trump is dying. So they've graduated from beyond the Trump is faking it now to the Trump is dying, even though he's out there walking. They'd be better off claiming the health cover up was that Trump was never sick in the first place. But that's the point I'm trying to make. Just because you don't, you're seeing these holes in the story doesn't mean you know for sure. Trump could be faking it. Trump could be deathly ill. We don't know. So how about you just chill? Occam's razor suggests Trump had mild symptoms. His doctor doesn't want to give out private information. Trump leaved with a smile on his face and a thumbs up. And we're fine. That's about it. That's something that a press secretary says, not something a doctor says, Jake Tapper pointed out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Afterwards, since no one in Trump's orbit will answer, it seems fair to conclude the answer is embarrassing. He was required to be tested before last Tuesday's debate. And his campaign told the debate commission that he was tested. So did someone lie to the commission? Uh, no, maybe Trump got sick at the debate, you morons. <laughs> CNN's John Harwood said that the non-answers indicate that they've been lying about the frequency of his testing, including whether he was tested before debating. Joe Biden 
or that he tested positive earlier than they acknowledge. No, it, it just, you, they're just, they're insane. I love it. That's what Chris Cuomo said. What a bunch of BS. Oh yeah, Chris Cuomo, you want to play that game? I'm going to play that game with Chris Cuomo. Want to know the truth? He said, the virus is the truth. The virus doesn't care about left and right. The virus does it, does what's reasonable. You give me a chance, I will spread. You keep away from me, you don't give me a chance. I run out of hosts, I die. I'm the truth. If you are going to do the right thing, you don't see me that much. If you are going to, uh, if you are doing the wrong thing, you do. A photo op and a power trip. Oh, harumph, I say. Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo. Meet Chris Cuomo. Take a look at this. Infected Trump back at White House dangerously removes mask before entering amid widening outbreak. I love how Chris Cuomo is like, it's propaganda. This was in the CNN clip. He's like, it's, it's, it's just propaganda, you know? Oh, and then, then Daily Caller does this really great thing where then they show him walking out of his basement when he actually wasn't quarantined. And he's like, I'm sweating. I was working out. Remember when Chris Cuomo left his quarantine, went gallivanting about with his family, got caught by someone, threatened the guy, and then ranted about it on Sirius XM radio. And even the New York Times pointed out like, dude, we know you're lying. Ben Smith, the New York Times, I forgot exactly what he said, but he pointed out like CNN, not just like admitting it. And they still don't. Why? CNN is fake news. It's fake news. Brian Stelter is putting on a tinfoil hat and screaming that all these people are in this grand conspiracy. Yeah, man. Nah, you don't get to claim all of these conspiracy theories all the time. And then when it comes to Trump now claim, we're just asking questions about all of these people colluding. Woo! I love how it's like the Marine, like the pilots, like the military. They're in on the conspiracy, too. Or uh, there's no conspiracy. And Trump was discharged by his doctors. That's what I was saying the other day. Could you imagine being Trump's doctor and then being like, well, we're going to release Trump. He might die. That would that that would be nuts. Just completely nuts. No doctor would do that, no matter what the PR would be. They don't want to to be responsible for that. Well, bravo, Chris Cuomo. I'm back. CNN's Chris Cuomo reemerges from his basement after three weeks of coronavirus isolation. And then you can see Hannah Yasheroff for USA Today. I don't know. who uh, This is not an image related. I don't know what that is. People wearing dumb masks. Just lying. Just lying. And, and these people are, are uh, they're not real journalists. Unfortunately, they're not. The fact that this this writer for USA Today, Hannah Yasharoff, would just blindly push this, you know, in, in the lead. I'm back. Three weeks of coronavirus isolation. That's fake news. He wasn't in three weeks of isolation. He literally wasn't. He was out. He admitted it. But that's that's what we get. Here's one I really love. Don Lemon, quote, he has turned an American tragedy into a made for TV travesty. For a second there, I thought Don Lemon was talking about Chris Cuomo, who was the first person to turn COVID into reality TV garbage. That was your network, CNN. Don't forget, Don Lemon once asked whether or not a plane was swallowed by a black hole. I kid you not, he actually said that. And it was like a dumb, wasted segment. Here's a good one. This is a tweet from James Lindsay. He's highlighting Caitlin Collins. Only days into his diagnosis, the first thing President Trump does when he gets back to the White House is take his mask off. <gasps> Trump, Trump took off his mask. Oh, no. Oh, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin. Here's a picture of you taking your mask off at the White House. These people are just total trash. I think Caitlin Collins is probably like one of the worst of the worst because you know for a fact. I mean, actually, this is really fascinating. Oliver Darcy and Caitlin Collins both got their start working for conservative news outlets, or I, I should say 
Caitlin Collins worked for a conservative news outlet. I think Darcy may have worked at the blaze. I'm not sure. But Darcy used to do these like, you know, man on the street, really like pathetic uh, style, like getting the liberals and owning the libs being like, yo, what about this question? (laughs) Ha ha, dumb lib. Caitlin Collins, I love what I love about Caitlin Collins is that it's really obvious what she's doing. Okay, she worked for the Daily Caller. She became the White House correspondent and then got hired by CNN. And she here, like, here's an image of her smiling as she takes her mask off in the White House. And she's complaining about Trump, who's outside taking his mask off. It's just it's just the epitome of, of broken brain fake news. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the shout out. OK, I should have done this earlier. Seriously, show people this stuff, man. Please give them these examples and be like, maybe Trump is right when he says CNN is fake news. They are fake news. Can I just go back to like the absolute absurdity of Brian Stelter saying there's a government cover up and 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 we have listen, we have videos of uh, where's the King Collins one? We, we have a photo of Trump standing of his own volition, walking off the helicopter. Everything's fine. And they're claiming it's a big cover up. What does that mean? You think the doctors were faking that he was sick? You think that the Secret Service was wearing the gown and the protection just like as for show? That's the conspiracy. The Secret Service knew Trump wasn't sick, but they put on the medical gear anyway. Or maybe they were like, Trump's sick. We're going to put on medical gear. And the pilots were like, taking Trump to the hospital. The doctors were like, yep, Trump looks mildly sick. And then they were like, yeah, but he's okay. And we shouldn't be in the hospital. Time to send him home. This is what you get. The brains of these people have shattered into a million pieces. Marine Dowd. Everyone's loving this one. She's an op-ed columnist and a Pulitzer Prize winner and a New York Times opinion writer saying, when Trump walked through the doors, Walter Reed had a stellar reputation. As he walks out 72 hours later, its reputation is in tatters. There's nothing Trump can't ruin. How did Trump ruin the reputation of, of Walter Reed? Did Trump conspire with the doctors and the medical staff to lie? Or is it that you're insane and the doctors are telling you the truth? I get it. I know. I know. The doctors didn't give us the full uh, picture on Trump's, uh, uh, you know, oxygen and stuff like that. There's there's reasons to be, uh, you know, questioning whether or not they're being totally honest. But if we were going to play, you know, the Occam's razor game, it's like Walter Reed's reputation is fine. They're doing their thing. This is nuts. But these people hate Trump so much. The fact that Walter Reed said Trump is fine to leave. They want Trump to be dying. They want him on his deathbed. So when Trump walks out and he's just fine, they snap. No, it's the doctors who are wrong. Talk about insane people. Ted Cruz, the New York Times attacking Walter Reed because the president didn't die. Your hate has destroyed you. What happened to these people? Maybe their brains were always broken. Trump, you know, or always cracked. And then Trump took the tiny hammer and went ding and shattered into a million pieces. I also find it's funny that Ted Cruz has become like this voice of reason in all of this. Oh, but there's more. There's more. I want to show you some of these other tweets too. Ben Tracy. I said, I think Ben, well, actually Ben Tracy, uh, uh, let me, let me make sure I get you his, his credentials. So you know who he is. He's a verified Twitter user and he is with CBS news, the white house correspondent. He tweeted, I felt safer reporting in North Korea than I currently do reporting at the white house. This is just crazy. Here's what I tweeted. I think Ben needs therapy. Trump anxiety disorder is real and saying something like this proves this. And, and, I, and I do mean this with the utmost respect. I, I'm, I'm concerned about these men, these, these individuals. For, for, and I mean that literally. Ben didn't say it is safer. He said he felt safer. Media is driving mass hysteria. That's the point. 
When Brian Stelter goes on an unhinged rant about a cover up in the in the Walter Reed Medical Center at the doctors, the, the, the Secret Service, all these people are in on this conspiracy. When Maureen Dowd of The New York Times is saying that they have no credit, the reputation is in tatters. When you had Jennifer Rubin, who's this like pseudo, she, I, they still call her a conservative, even though she's in favor of every single uh, Democrat. When 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 she comes out and says defund Walter Reed, they are driving mass hysteria because you're going to have regular people who don't know what's going on. And they're going to turn on CNN and they're going to see Brian Stelter like people. Listen, I'm Brian Stelter for CNN and, and, and Donald Trump's sick. He's dying. And that's OK. Are we going to take these people off the air and ban them like we did Alex Jones and, and all these other individuals they claimed are conspiracy theorists? I don't I don't think that it's, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to actually going to do it. Now, here's here's this is just great. Juliet KM, verified Twitter user, Harvard professor and a CNN analyst. Bravo, CNN. She tweeted, it is very likely that Russian intelligence agencies through Signal and human intel sources at Walter Reed have more information about the president's condition than we do, though I think we all know how the president is doing. Doctors lie too. <laughs> I love it. CNN has has their 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 it's amazing. I, I think uh, Infowars should be jealous. I do, you know, because I, I made this point years ago and the left went nuts when I pointed out that Alex Jones and Infowars were trying to be more like a, a legit partisan source as opposed to a, a conspiracy theory uh, source. Right. And so uh, they, they, they quote me out of context because I was saying that they were like a right wing Huffington Post. That was the point I was making when the election was ramping up. Alex Jones, they were they were actually sending reporters on the ground to cover things that were happening around these 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 various rallies. They were trying to be like a right wing Huffington Post, a hyper partisan blog. That's true. I didn't say anything about Alex Jones's credibility. I said they're sending reporters on the ground. Now, think about how crazy it is. We can't trust CNN at all. I'm not even kidding. I mean, you've got a CNN analyst screaming that Russian intelligence agencies know more about the president. You've got uh, an NYT opinion writer saying this, the, the credibility is gone and doctors are lying. Look at this, Juliet. Doctors lie too. Have you lost it? They've lost it, man. Cuomo lied to us. Chris Cuomo. He said he was quarantined. He wasn't. It was fake. It was fake news. Please share this with people, man. Don't even, I don't even care if you share my video. Just share this article with people. Chris Cuomo lied, pretended to be quarantined, and we know he wasn't. And yet still, they insist. This scares me about what's coming in November, man, because there are people who believe this stuff. And I don't blame them. It's not the average person's job to be a journalist. It's their job to be a plumber or teacher or whatever. And then when they get inundated with CNN's crackpot conspiracy garbage from the likes of Brian Stelter, they start worrying like, what's happening with our president? He's really sick. CNN has become a trash reality TV rag and they blame president. Uh, they blame, they blame uh, President Trump for that. I think the president is certainly reality TV worthy, but, but who's running CNN? Jeff Zucker. He's the guy who did the reality TV garbage with Trump. The, the apprentice and all that stuff. That was Zucker. Now he's running CNN, apparently. And what happens? Brian Stelter has lost all credibility. I can tell you this. A responsible journalist would say it's possible, but we don't know for sure. Occam's razor, the simplest solution tends to be the correct one, would suggest that 
you know, privacy laws prohibit the doctors from sharing too much. So they didn't know what they could or couldn't say. And they have to give this press conference. So they flubbed some of the information. That's really why didn't they tell us about oxygen? HIPAA laws. And then he said, well, I was trying to keep an upbeat, you know, attitude. It is what it is. The doctors don't have to give us this information. And presidents often put out a, a show of strength and pretend to be they're fine. So we can assume Trump probably was not, you know, uh, uh, totally fine. He probably had mild symptoms. And that seems to be the case now. And he left of his own volition walking just fine. And he's 74. So l- listen, my friends, he's a 74 year old man who walked out of the hospital of his own volition, got on the helicopter, no conspiracies. They landed. He walked out. He walked up, took off his mask, took a breath. And they claimed now that he's gasping for air. Appears short of breath. What is this one? Uh, moment Trump appears to gasp for air. I tell you, man, sensationalism. Maybe Trump is more sick than we realize. They're posting zoomed in photos of his face saying his pupils are dilated and his nostrils are flared. Now I'm just like, y'all have gone total moon landing 9-11 nonsense. It's just these people have totally gone insane. They've lost it. They've, they've, they've been completely broken by Donald Trump, by their hatred for Donald Trump. Trump derangement syndrome, terminal Trump derangement syndrome. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. This morning, I talked about CNN's unhinged conspiracy theory that a journalist working alongside, uh, you know, the government actors and, and military personnel and the doctors and Trump were all colluding to trick people into believing that Trump was really, really sick. And that it's a big cover up, even though we see Trump walking around. We hear about the media bias all the time, but I got bad news for you. I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but now we have this story. Facebook removes Trump post comparing COVID-19 to flu. Yeah, kind of. The post was about other stuff. What Trump basically said was, here's what he said. COVID in most populations is far less lethal. And he was talking about the flu. I think he might be referring to young people that for most young people, it probably is. I mean, maybe not. I don't know for sure. But the bigger issue is, shouldn't the, the president be allowed to say what he wants to say without having his posts removed? I mean, how many people post insane garbled nonsense like CNN, like all of these lunatics claiming that Trump was staging everything. This is the problem we face as a country. Big tech and these media companies are insane. They're, they're absolutely insane. I've just covered uh, all, all of these different instances where leftists were screeching that, you know, if Trump was staging photos, that Trump was on his deathbed, but Trump was actually faking it. And all of that is allowed to remain. You have people coming out saying the president is faking his COVID diagnosis. And Facebook's like, well, that's fine. But if Trump comes out and gives his opinion, maybe it's wrong. Sure. That's gone. Twitter has flagged this post saying that, uh, you know, it's misinformation and it violates the rules. But it's important that we allow people to see it. I have good news through all of this. However, we're seeing this, this bias. But we're also seeing something else. Tucker Carlson shattering viewership records the highest rated cable TV news show ever. And while that does sound pretty good, and it is, and Fox News is getting nearly 300 million uh, views on YouTube ever in, the, in the past month, we still see CNN and MSNBC pumping out trash garbage nonsense and getting an absurd amount of views. That's why I wonder, 
Are they ever going to ban CNN for their psychotic conspiracy theories? I mean, I can't stress enough that Brian Stelter did this, this, this tirade where he's like, there's a cover, a government cover up. It would imply that all of these people are in on this conspiracy and it's just nuts. You know, I grew up at a time when people were like, when I, you know, on the internet where they're like, stop the conspiracies, they go too far. And that's where we've been for the past several years. YouTube saying we, we've got we've got to get rid of these conspiracy videos. All the flat earth stuff has got to go. What is it? Um, there's 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 an inflating earth theory is there's a bunch of these things. They're all gone. But you put a blue check mark next to their name and Brian Stalter can sit there screaming and ranting. Oh, Donald Trump is in a cover up oh, the government. They're coming to get us. He's lost his mind. These people hate Trump so much. They've gone crazy. And what scares me the most is that Facebook is removing Trump's posts. Okay. We are in a downward spiral of decay, of information chaos, where the, the, the certified journalists are ranting in an unhinged manner, and they're allowed to do it. You see, Tucker Carlson recently had on somebody. It was a, a, a female doctor from a university in Hong Kong saying she had evidence that COVID was actually manufactured. You know, show me the evidence. Otherwise, I'm not all that interested. But she's claiming to be a whistleblower, claiming she has evidence and she issued a paper. OK, I take it with a grain of salt the same I would any other claim. But this is on Fox News. Facebook flagged it as fake news. Instagram flagged it as fake news. And here's the crazy part. When they flagged it, they linked to an old fact check, which had nothing to do with Tucker Carlson's segment. Big tech is in the bag for the Democrats and for the left, and it should be obvious to everyone. And the problem is they're allowing them to rant and publish unhinged, psychotic conspiracy theories. And they've been doing it for a long time. I know all, all of a sudden I'd imagine people heard that. I, I'd imagine people are watching and they're like, Tim, Rachel Maddow. Oh, I know. Yeah. Rachel Maddow for years ranting about Russians everywhere and propping up every conspiracy theorist imaginable who had no evidence anything was going on. And now our, influ our, our election is being influenced by this. I'm actually pretty worried. I, I see Tucker Carlson's ratings, but I'm looking at the ratings for everybody. Let me show you this story real quick to give you a gist of what's going on with Trump. Facebook removes Trump post comparing COVID-19 to the flu. Trump posted on Facebook and Twitter. Flu season is coming up. Many people every year, sometimes over 100,000, and despite the vaccine, die from the flu. Are we going to close down our country? No, we have learned to live with it, just like we are learning to live with COVID. In most populations, far less lethal. What does that mean in most populations? Does that mean like there were, there were almost no COVID deaths in Africa? You know, uh, what about these, these the, you know, China, for instance, if Trump actually goes by their numbers? What about that is clearly and definitively incorrect? Now, I know the interpretation from members of the media. He's saying that flu is less lethal. Well, he said in most populations. What does that really mean? Is he talking about majority? I, I don't know. I don't know. It should be, it should, in my opinion, you should leave it up. I don't see why Facebook would delete it or why Twitter would flag it. It's not your, it's not your space to be editorializing, but that's what they're doing. What's fascinating to me about what Facebook has done and what Twitter has done is that they clearly have an editorial team that is, that, that is taking these actions. If Twitter is going to publish information on Donald Trump's post, they may as well be the New York Times. If they want to act like a phone company, well, then they would just leave the post alone. And it's not their or anyone's responsibility if Trump is spreading this information. It's the responsibility, responsibility of the journalist to say that. But they're not doing that. 
You see, the, the big tech companies are intervening on behalf of the Democrats to hurt the president and to hurt Republicans. And that's a fact. 216 ads Donald Trump's campaign were taken down recently because they were offended by the implications of Trump's posts. So that's what Trump's post uh, uh, posted. CNN first reported the takedown. They say more than 209 Americans have died. We get it. The annual flu death total has been between 12,000 and 61,000 since 2010, according to the CDC. The last time that uh, the last time that U.S. flu deaths hit an estimated 100,000 was 1968. We removed incorrect information about the severity of COVID-19 and have now removed the post, Facebook spokesperson Andy Stone said. The same Trump message was posted on Twitter. The platform placed a label on it. Trump returned to the White House Monday night. We know this and he seems to be fine. Okay, all right. COVID misinformation. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Are you going to now ban all of these, the, the conspiracy theory posts where they claimed Trump was dying? Are these people going to get removed or flagged in any way? No, but shouldn't they? If a doctor comes out and says Trump is fine, and then these people come out and say Trump's not fine, Trump's covering it up, he's dying, shouldn't they say this is misinformation? The experts have told us. Who are the experts that have made the claims about COVID? Why is their word law? And why is it that we can't get flagging on these other lunatics like Brian Stelter? The dude has gone insane. And, and that's, and that, listen, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stress this point. I have to. You may have seen my segment from earlier, but listen. If you go on national television and claim there is a grand government conspiracy, a cover up over the president's health when the president is clearly walking out of the hospital, fine, you're insane. The president, he maybe has mild symptoms. Nuts. I can't believe it. And this is what they remove while Trump's spreading misinformation. You have a whole network doing that. Oh, I know. They say Fox News does the same thing. Fine. Ban all of it. Because you know what? As much as people like to praise Tucker Carlson and Hannity, check this out. Six days ago, Fox News finishes historic third quarter atop broadcast networks in key category. Hannity and Tucker Carlson tonight average more than four million viewers for the third straight quarter. Amazing. Check this out. October 2nd scoreboard. So this is just from a few days after. This is October 5th. Uh, Tucker Carlson, 5.059 million viewers. Woo! Wow! That is... That is absolutely insane. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. People are watching. People are paying attention to Tucker Carlson, man. Well, here's the bad news. I see a lot of people that are propping this up, propping this up and saying like, this is amazing. You know, look how well Tucker is doing. And they're ignoring, they're ignoring the key detail. During Tucker Carlson's 8 p.m. slot, Anderson Cooper got 3.192 million and Chris Hayes got 2.873. I think it's better that CNN is getting more viewership than MSNBC because MSNBC is like the worst of the worst. But Anderson Cooper, I mean, he's not great either. I used to like him not more, a lot more, but clearly he's just your network, bro. You're, 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 you've, you've lost the plot. 9 p.m. Hannity got 4.442 million. Chris Cuomo got 3.147. Cuomo is a guy who faked a quarantine for ratings. It worked. They're being rewarded. Rachel Maddow got 4.122. So listen, Fox News is getting more views, okay? They, they, they are seeing these record numbers. Like Brett Bayer got 5 million. That's incredible. And the five got uh, 4.3. I mean, these are, these are fantastic numbers for Fox News Channel. But MSNBC and CNN combined, plus the other networks, and 
the narrative on their side, on the left, is, is dominant. That's just it. They can come out and just say the stupidest, craziest, most garbled and insane trash. You can tell I'm really angry about this. I am really, really angry that Brian Stelter is pumping out just, you know, it, it, it reminds me of the, of the mid 2000s, the psychotic level of paranoid delusion from these people, like as if the doctors are secretly colluding with all of these people, like Trump comes into the hospital and he's like, ah, I can't breathe. And the, and the, and the pilot from Ring One's like, heavens. And, and the secret service agents are like, oh no. And then after they like treat Trump, they all like, Pinky swear together, we'll keep this secret. Hurrah. What do you think is going on? And then the president walks out and you had people posting that he was like, had like an oxygen thing coming out of his nose, which he didn't is a piece of hair. And they tried claiming the hair. They've, they've gone nuts. That's all. I, I'm just, I'm losing it, man. I'm, I'm just sick of this because it's like, no matter how crazy they get, no matter how much insane BS they pump out, just vomiting all over the table. Nothing gets done about it. Nothing happens. And they go, but Fox News is fake news. You you actually have these these primetime hosts on CNN lying out right. It's funny. I grew up watching, you know, Jon Stewart, Daily Show. Fox News was getting called out and mocked, you know, ruthlessly. You had um that moment where um, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Was like sun goes up, sun comes down. You know, tide comes in, tide goes out, and they and, and he got mocked for this. Yeah, Fox News, we, we like we made fun of. Now you've got Tucker Carlson, who's pretty good, and I turn on CNN and you've got Don Lemon saying like, you know, a black hole could possibly small swallow an airplane. You know, what do you think about that, Mary? And she's like, oh, even a small black hole would swallow the whole universe. That's CNN. Now you've got Don Lemon saying like, Trump is turning this into reality TV when they literally hired a reality TV uh, uh, producer. To run CNN, you gotta turn it off, man. Turn all of it off. I don't care. I don't care if you turn me off. Just turn it all off. Check it. Check this out. Social Blade ratings for Fox News: two hundred eighty-one million in the last thirty days. Sounds pretty good. Two hundred thirty thousand subscribers. Yeah, well, CNN got two hundred four thousand with two hundred thousand subs, and you add MSNBC into the mix, they got two hundred four thousand as well. Isn't that crazy? They both got two hundred four thousand, so they're at four hundred eight. Fox is at 280, 281. I'm sorry, man. Big tech is censoring the president. They're shutting down anyone who dare challenges the orthodoxy. And our, our uh, news cycle, our society is being informed by crackpot conspiracy theorists. Now, I know, of course, they say Trump is the conspiracy theory president who went on Infowars and Alex Jones and all that stuff. Fine. Criticize it. That's OK. But it doesn't, just, it doesn't justify you doing the same thing. So what do we do? What do the sane, rational people do? The regular people who are watching this who are like, what do we do, man? I try every day to cut through the BS and it is just, it's almost impossible. It's, it's like the, the, the amount of, of institutional power that CNN has, MSNBC. It was, I think, May of 2018 that YouTube put this channel and my main channel on a blacklist. So by the way, share this video if you'd like to support it. And let people know what's happening, I guess. They put on a blacklist. Why? Because the mainstream media companies accused independent personalities of being crackpot conspiracy theorists. And so what do I do is I read news all day and I, I compare and fact check and vet information. And I can tell you right now that CNN, they're, they're done. Like if it's, 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 it's a dedicated show talking about a government conspiracy. I kid you not. Like, what are we supposed to do with that? Are we supposed to sit here and be like, well, they have no evidence 
And they're claiming all of these people are working together. I bring you now to American greatness. Silicon Valley and Team Biden collude to rig the 2020 election. Big tech censorship has nothing to do with accuracy or fairness. Now they go on to mention these war games and some of these, these things, but here's what, they, here's what they say about big tech. Unpunished and undeterred, big tech is working with subversive groups, such as, such as the Transition Integrity Project and pr- protect the results, misnomers to say the least, to purge their platforms of any content that calls out their tactics, particularly any post that questions the legality of vote by mail. Yeah. So apparently now they're warning us that if I do content saying like, hey, look at all of these problems, the New York Times reported, CNN reported, NPR reported, banned, strike, shut down. That's where we're headed. I fully expect to get banned in the coming months. I'm not even kidding. Or in the next month, we'll see what happens. Maybe they're going to they're gonna leave me alone. A lot of people say that I'm not edgy enough for them to actually ban. But if I tell you definitively, we have evidence that the mail-in system voting is broken and the Democrats are the ones who pushed it, what are we supposed to do? So in Brooklyn, 100,000 ballots went out and they had bad information. They had the wrong names. And so I said, bunk ballots being sent out in mass proves the Democrats have corrupted our election because they're the ones who called for it. And it's in a Democrat district. And then I get people saying like, why won't Facebook or why won't YouTube ban this? Ah. It's coming. It is because they need to maintain their narrative. You can't ban Fox News outright. They're a major cable network and they've been around for a long time. But channels like mine, I would not be surprised. They say Democrats plan to extend Election Day into January under the guise of counting every vote until they collect enough ballots to declare Biden the winner. While the process drags on, social media and Internet providers will aid the effort by rigging content in the Democrats' favor. Their complicity already underway. Twitter is flagging posts that warn voters about the actual risks of mail-in ballots. A September 12th tweet by the president was flagged for violating the company's civic integrity policy as the country moves ever closer to an Atlas shrugged reality. The funny thing about that is it's true. We just saw Boeing announce they're leaving uh, uh, Washington. Tesla, of course, is leaving California. Joe Rogan leaving California. Yeah, it's kind of like Atlas Shrugged, huh? Because if you're not familiar with Atlas Shrugged, all of like the, the industrialists and wealthy individuals left and created their own like, you know, utopia or whatever. Twitter's policy announced this month will ban misleading claims that cause confusion about established laws, regulations, procedures and methods of civic of a civic process or about the actions of officials or entities executing those civic processes. An arbitrary gauge that gives Twitter cover to promote the Democrats' unprecedented mail-in ballot presidential election and squash any objection to it. Universal mail-in voting is not absentee ballot. It's not absentee voting. Big Brother's Bluebirds smacked another Trump tweet on Thursday after the president insisted unsolicited ballots will lead to election election year mayhem. And that's an opinion. And I think it's a warranted opinion. Twitter disputed his post with a disclaimer. Experts and fact checkers have continued to assure American voters that voting by mail is safe and secure. One fact checker listed as ABC News. Uh, Twitter announced late Thursday that the company's public policy director was leaving to join Biden's transition team. It's fairly obvious what's happening. I have to wonder if Trump's going to win because we're seeing voter registration among Republicans is, is higher than Democrats. And we're seeing enthusiasm for Trump ridiculously high. And I'll tell you this, I know people who are going to vote for Biden, of course, but I don't know anyone who voted for Trump who is now giving up on Trump, quite the opposite. I know people who voted for Hillary who are now voting for Trump. I didn't vote at all, and now I'll be voting for Trump. And so I have to wonder if this is all just fake news. But let me let me, let me wrap it up with one thing, and then because I, I got another, I'm going to do a bigger segment on this later. The media game is rigged. 
for all the good news about Tucker, the, the media game is rigged. But if, with, with that being said, I don't know if we can look at all the polls and just claim all the polls are fake. Right now, Joe Biden's lead over Trump in the aggregate is substantial. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, the polls were wrong in 2016. By the end of things, they were wrong only by a little bit. The forecasts were wrong. So I have to wonder if Donald Trump ends up winning, right, you know, in, in November, on November 3rd or 10th or December, whatever. With the polling as it is now, it will be the end of the media, the absolute end. Nate Silver will have zero credibility, none whatsoever. Every polling institution will have zero credibility because they're telling us Joe Biden's got, you know, 12 points up in Pennsylvania. But the GOP is registering more voters in Pennsylvania. So how does that make sense? Could you imagine if they sacrifice all their credibility on these bunk polls and then Trump wins? Then people are going to say, you weren't just wrong like 2016. You were like five times worse because they're going double digits now. What would that mean? If Trump really does win, it will be the most shocking upset, I believe, in history, in the history of news and polling. That's why I almost can't believe it. Y'all better get out and vote. And I'll tell you this, man, if you're not doing it, you better canvas. OK, you better go and talk to people, share them this, 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 these videos and explain to them what's going on with the bias and the, and, and, and the machine. Explain to them what is happening right now with the media and show them that unhinged, garbled nonsense from Brian Stelter. Ask them if they believe in grand government conspiracies. Maybe people do. Maybe they believe there are, you know, grand conspiracies. In which case, I present you this. If Brian Stelter is rational and sane, claiming all of these people in the hospital are working together, then wouldn't it be rational and sane to claim the Democrats are working with the media to lie and manipulate the, manipulate the election? Well, which is it? Are, are grand conspiracies between government officials and the media real? Because the journalist in, 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 in Trump's, you know, COVID case was also working alongside them? Or are they all crazy? And if they are, it's just bad news for the Democrats and the media. Because if it's true, there is no grand conspiracy between Democrats and, you know, members of the media or whoever else to rig the election, then, you know, then the likelihood that CNN is correct is very, very low. And they're also very unhinged and conspiratorial lunatics. If the Democrats actually do engage in these kinds of conspiracies and the Republicans do as well, well, then CNN must be may be correct, in which case the Democrats are conspiring. I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you believe in conspiracies, by all means, trust, uh, trust Brian Stelter and then go ahead and assume that the Democrats are doing the same thing. Why not? Conspiracy News Network. That's what they've become. Meanwhile, big tech is shutting down Trump. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. It is my main channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I did not think it was possible, but Netflix has been indicted by a Texas grand jury over the film Cuties for, quote, prurient interest in sex. I'll cut to the chase. Basically, they say that there's there are scenes in this film where little girls are doing things to their bodies that provide no artistic purpose, and thus this film breaks the law. Now, if you're not familiar with the whole controversy, I can give you a quick update because there's been an ongoing back and forth between Republican senators and politicians and Netflix. But the general gist of it, before we read this, it's a film about little girls. They're like 11 years old or something, and they're doing very adult dancing, and they're placing their... look. I don't even want to get into some of the full details, but let's just say they're being indicted because in this film, these girls do overtly sexual things and they are 
chil- their, their prebubescent children. Naturally, this led to a major backlash, and Netflix is hurting because of it. A new report suggests they could lose. Check this out. Netflix analysts cut subscriber forecast on flash in the pan cuties controversy. Flash in the pan. Is that, is that a different uh, story, or are they making a comment about cuties? I'll tell you this. Nah, man, I already canceled my Netflix, okay? Admittedly, I have friends who still have their Netflix, so people are still watching it, but I'm like, you know, how about Amazon Prime, I guess? Here's the story from Newsweek. Netflix troubles regarding the French Senegalese film Cuties isn't quite over. The streaming giant was a hit. The streaming giant was hit with an indictment in Texas over the movie's alleged promotion of the sexual exploitation of minors. Representative Matt Schaefer shared the indictment Tuesday on Twitter. Netflix Inc. indicted by grand jury in Tyler Cove, Texas, for promoting material in Cuties Films, which depicts lewd exhibition of pubic area of clothed or partially clothed child who is younger than 18 years of age, which appeals to the prurient interest in sex. This <laughs> Newsweek has reached out to Netflix for comment. The film, directed by Sundance uh, winner Maimona Ducour, follows an 11-year-old Senegalese immigrant named Amy living in Paris who joins an adolescent, adolescent dance group. Dance group, sure. The cuties, in her attempt to determine her identity in a new world, a coming-of-age journey of sorts. Coming-of-age? Remember when coming-of-age was like 18-year-olds in college? Now they're doing 10-year-olds? Jeez, man. The indictment against Netflix comes following outrage over the film's release in September. Hundreds of critics called at the film's sexualization of young girls in various scenes throughout the movie, Particular one, particularly ones in which they copy an older dance group's moves, uh, adult moves, and another in which the 11-year-old member of the dance troupe takes photos of her genitals, although no nudity is actually showcased, but there is apparently a scene where, I'm just going to say it, this is messed up stuff, dude. They touch themselves on stage in front of people. Now, apparently the audience is shocked and you're supposed to be like, oh no, but the way I describe it is like, imagine if someone was trying to explain why doing drugs was bad. So they took a bunch of kids and gave them drugs and filmed it. Did you're doing a movie, you don't have to actually do the thing you're criticizing. It could have been very simple. A lot of people say, well, how are they supposed to explain how it's bad, what they're doing? Yeah, you have the girls watch adults performing it, and the girls don't actually watch it. Right? Imagine this, imagine this. You have a bunch of like 10, 11-year-old girls, right? You film, you film them holding a phone, but they're actually watching SpongeBob. Hey, then... You film a different angle with hands holding a phone showing adults doing things. Then the little kids in your movie don't have to actually watch any of it. Then when it comes to the scene where they're doing their final dance, you just show the audience reaction and you hear gasps and things like that. And you don't need to show it. And then it can end with the girl crying and realizing how gross it was and people cringing or whatever, because it's apparently what happens. But they actually had these little girls doing this stuff. That's messed up. Well, now you're being indicted. Along with a petition to cancel Netflix, dozens of congressmen, particularly Republican members of the House and Senate, have criticized the platform, including some members who have even requested the Department of Justice to prosecute Netflix for its release of the film. 33 members of the House signed Representative Jim Banks's letter recommending the department bring charges against Netflix, Inc. for the distribution of the film Cuties. Wow. I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm, I'll, let's talk about ramifications here, man. Netflix is going to, is losing its subscriber forecast. I mean, I canceled. Um, that's it. That's gross, man. Netflix could see its third quarter streaming subscriber growth hit by the controversy around cuties. Wells Fargo analyst Stephen Cahal wrote in a Tuesday report, 
cutting his subscriber forecast for the period in half to 2.5 million, with the full impact model to come in the US and Canada. He now forecasts Netflix will lose 2 million US and Canadian subscribers in the quarter ending Wednesday, compared with his previous estimate for a 500,000 subscriber gain, arguing that this region bears the brunt of the cuties detractors. Whoa, that is a 2.5 million subscriber drop off from projections. You reap what you have sown. You know what really made me angry? was that Netflix knew there was backlash to this movie poster of the little girls in in just disgusting positions. And they were like, we're so sorry about this poster, even though the poster is a scene in the movie that is drawn out for three minutes. So you thought the poster was bad? Now you you think people are going to be fine with watching these little girls for three minutes? You are insane. They are going to lose 2.5 million subscribers. Wow. Well, you reap what you sow. Netflix could have pulled it. And they said, you know, well, we're not going to air this. You know, it was really creepy to me. All of these journalists who are like, what's the problem with the movie? Everything's fine. Why? You really uh, 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 showing your true colors here, man, because most people like there were socialists and leftists being like, yo, what the one of my favorite memes is the political compass meme where you got like the authoritarian right and left and then the libertarian left, right and left. And they're all looking towards the center where there's the cuties logo logo. And they're all saying, what what the hell is wrong with you, Netflix? Everyone agreed. What are you doing? This is gross. I think the goal of this film, in my opinion, was actually to cater to these sick people. They want to argue, no, the film is supposed to show you why it's wrong. Then why have a scene where, the, where they zoom in on the girl's butt as she's dancing in front of a creepy old man who's like checking her out. It's messed up. And then people say, did you even watch the movie? Dude, I saw a clip on Twitter that was like several minutes long of showing a bunch of different scenes. And I got really mad and I muted. I'm like, I don't want to see that. This is disturbing. And then people started retweeting like crazy. And I was like, nah, I'm going to unfollow people if they keep sharing this. And I did. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want this on Netflix, let alone people sharing it. But some people say it's important they share it so that people see how just depraved Netflix is. Well, apparently Netflix responded just the other day. Senator Mike Lee is unsatisfied with Netflix's response to his, to, to his criticism of cuties. They say he's unsatisfied with their response released last month. Lee joined U.S. Senator Ted Cruz and four states attorneys general, all Republicans, in criticizing the film. In Monday's announcement, Lee said, in addition to his letter, he discussed his concerns in more detail with Netflix employees by phone. I have to say that I am unsatisfied by Netflix's response. He said in a statement, well, now they're being indicted. Asked whether the sexualization of young girls depicted in the cuties constituted criminal conduct. Netflix offered only conclusory statements in denial. Lee felt perplexed as to how Netflix could condemn the conduct depicted in cuties while celebrating the film and filmmakers who asked several underage girls to stand in front of cameras and engage in that same inappropriate, shameful conduct for the world to see. I reiterate my call for Netflix to cease distributing cuties until it does so. Netflix lacks the moral standing to speak to any cultural issue. On September 11th, he sent a, uh, Mike Lee sent a letter to Netflix CEO Reed Hastings expressing his concern with the depictions of young girls doing these things. He asked that Netflix drop the film from its selection and informed the streaming service his staff was reviewing the film to potentially hand it off to the U.S. Uh, Attorney General for investigation. 
In a letter dated September 18th, Netflix responded, stating in bold letters, Netflix opposes the exploitation of children. It is a film that exposes and condemns the persistent problem of sexualization of girls in society. That is a lie. A lie. Sure, artistically, the film might do that. But uh, the film literally, the, the producers had these little girls doing this. And what you got to realize about these scenes, they probably didn't just do it one time and said they were done. They probably had these little girls do this for a long time. In fact, the little girls were probably brought to a training area, like a training facility, where they had adults train these girls. Dare I say, groom them. Netflix, y'all are gross, man. I don't know what this indictment means. Like, what's it going to result in? But we have this tweet from Matt Schaefer. They say the grand jury for Tyler County, Texas, duly selected, impaneled, sworn, charged, and organized in such, in, in such at the January term AD 2020 of the 1A district court, blah, blah, blah. They said that Netflix, the defendant, Netflix Inc., did so knowingly promote visual material which depicts the lewd exhibition of the genitals or pubic area of clothed or partially clothed child who was younger than 18 at the time the visual material was created. Which appeal, you know, I, I, I'm, I gotta say, man, what do you do? I was thinking about this. Do they, who, who's going to prison over this? Who's going to get, you know, who's going to get in trouble? Everyone at Netflix? Would they indict literally every person? Think about it this way. If you had 50 people that were all involved in producing and distributing, like, illegal content, if you know what I'm saying, they'd probably all be charged and arrested no matter what. Netflix is a large mainstream media corporation, and they put out this content. Now, you, you might have someone saying, I had no idea. I'm just an accountant. I wonder how that worked for drug dealers, accountants who are like, I didn't know I was shuffling drug money. Yeah, probably didn't work out too well. Now, I don't really expect everyone on Netflix to get indicted, but who is going to be held responsible for this? That I don't know. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. A New York Times opinion writer is now calling for international intervention into the United States. That's how depraved the leftists have become. They want the UN, some foreign entity, to actually intervene in our elections. No. I, see, I seem to recall a couple hundred years ago, we fought a war over other people telling us what we can or can't do, and that we have the right to govern ourselves. Anyone who would now come out and claim foreign interests should overturn our elections is... Well, I don't want to go as far as to say treasonous, but they are betraying the core values of this nation. It's almost treason, but treason would imply they're engaging in, you know, assisting a foreign adversary. I don't, I don't think the UN is an adversary. In fact, we, we house their headquarters in New York. But could you imagine if they called for foreign military forces to enter our nation? Now you want to talk about civil war. It's right here, man. Here's a story from the New York Times. They say, the rightful president of Belarus, Svetlana Tikhanovos, <laughs> I can't pronounce this, Tikhanovskaya appeared via video last month before the UN Human Rights Council. Her country's August election, she declared, had been stolen. Despite objections from a representative of the Belarusian government who had said, who said she had no right to address the body, Ms. Tikhanovskaya implored the UN to act. Standing up for democratic principles and human rights is not interfering in internal affairs, she insisted. It is a universal question of human dignity. No one knows how Donald Trump's COVID-19 diagnosis will affect his presidential campaign. But before falling ill, he repeatedly suggested that he won't accept the results of the election. Should he lose? In that case, Joe Biden should follow Miss Tikhanovskaya's example and appeal to the world for help. For many Americans, 
raised to see the United States as a natural leader of the free world, may be hard to imagine requesting foreign intervention against tyranny in our own land. But as historians like Gerald Horn and Carol Anderson have detailed, there's a long history of black Americans doing exactly that. And here we go. They're going to start playing to the Black Lives Matter narrative. They mention from 1854 to 47, Frederick Frederick Douglass delivered more than 180 speeches imploring British audiences to intervene against American slavery. After World War I, when Woodrow Wilson unveiled the 14 points that he hoped would structure the post-war world, the National Equal Rights League, led by William Trotter and Ida Wells Barnett, asked the Paris Peace Conference to adopt a 15th, the elimination of civil, political, and judicial distinctions based on race or color in all nations. After World War II, the sociologist W.E.B. Dubois edited a 94-page pamphlet at the NAACP presented to every ambassador to the new United Nations. Peoples of the world, it declared. We, I, I can't read that because this is YouTube. They say, our treatment in America is not merely an internal question of the, of the United States. It is a basic problem of humanity or democracy. He goes on to say, blah, blah, blah. Then he mentions, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter. Joe Biden is not W.E.B. Dubois let alone Malcolm X, but the party he leads now faces chronic racist disenfranchisement. The more the Democratic Party becomes a vehicle for black political empowerment, the less its votes counts. Democrats must now win the popular vote by three, four, or even five points to be assured of winning the Electoral College. They must achieve that margin in the face of a strenuous Republican effort to ensure that many Democratic ballots are not counted. And even if they overcome both of those obstacles, Mr. Trump may still not concede. They also need to overcome the fact that nearly half a million ballots in the primary were rejected. And that's because the Democrats, for some reason, were adamant about having mail-in voting and still are. So uh, who are they overcoming again? Let me explain to you something very simply about the Electoral College. California does not dictate what Idaho does. It's that simple. I love how there's this meme going around where they're like 40 million people in California and 40 million in these 12 states or whatever. It's like, dude. Don't live in California then. Just because all of y'all want to cram into these tight, you know, urban centers doesn't mean your state gets to say what other states do. They really don't get it, do they? That we are a a constitutional republic of states. And these states were all declaring sovereignty, what, like 10, 12 years ago or whatever? No longer than that. I think it was like 15 years ago. No, no, no. Maybe it was 12 years ago. They started putting out all these messages saying we assert our sovereignty, blah, 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 blah. So they can't secede for the most part. They might try, according to John Podesta, I guess. But Idaho has rights. Ohio has rights. Illinois. Just because California has a lot of people doesn't mean the rest of us have to live the way they want everyone to live. Because we don't live in California. They say, but we live in America. Sure. So your state gets equal weight and many capacities. And then you get more representatives. Congratulations. He goes on to say, that's why Dubois' appeal to the world remains so relevant. By impeding black votes, and this is the craziest thing, he's going full-on racism to encourage international intervention. He says what Mr. Trump is doing this year, the election monitoring expert Judith Kelly, the dean of the Stanford School of Public Policy at Duke University, recently told the Boston Globe, is the kind of activity that international election observers would go to countries and write up huge reports about it saying red flag, red flag. You see, this is a lie, because uh, I'm pretty sure we're like the only country that has no voter security. None. Universal mail-in voting has no chain of custody. We don't know where they came from or where they go or who touched them or why. We, in many states, we don't have voter ID. I mean, you can walk in and be like, that's me. Give me the ballot. I'll vote. That's it. No security. And the Democrats are doing everything in their power to erode that security. Our elections have been compromised for quite some time. And that's just a sad fact. 
Democrats should spend the coming weeks working to ensure that this year's OSCE observer mission, despite being banned from many states, especially in the South, can do exactly that. Then if Mr. Trump and his allies halt the counting of ballots or disregard them altogether, Democrats should use the OSCE's report as evidence in an appeal to the same body where Mrs. Tikhanovskaya made hers, the UN Human Rights Council. Yeah, no, no chance. But we can take a look at what's going on in Michigan, and I'll tell you what's really happening. The Supreme Court of Michigan, in a non-political issue, okay, ruled that the, the, the governor, Whitmer, is enforcing unconstitutional orders, that she doesn't have the right to lock things down. She said she's going to ignore their ruling for 21 days. Then she's going to find other ways to put forth her lockdowns. When you have an executive refusing to adhere to court orders, you got a very, very serious problem. Now, with all due, uh, uh, in, in fairness, Donald Trump has absolutely rejected court orders and challenged them legal, cha- challenged them legally. In the case of Michigan, many other states have already been found to have been in- enforcing unconstitutional edict. Thus, they've lost. Whitmer isn't saying she's going to challenge this. She's saying, I'm going to wait it out because I have 21 days. Then I'm going to find another way to circumvent this. She's not even going to a hearing to challenge it. That's the problem. You have actual Democrats rejecting the rule of law. So what? Am I really worried about Donald Trump? He's not the one who called for mail-in voting. He's not the one who called for a system that's going to lead to mass disenfranchisement of minorities, young people, and first-time voters. Democrats did that. And so now what's going to happen is, when it comes to the election, Michigan, for instance, a very important swing state, has a Republican legislature and a Democratic governor. The legislature is going to say, Trump. The governor is going to say, Biden. They're going to get into a fight. There's going to be battles over polling stations and counting ballots. It's going to go to the court. The Democrat governor is going to say, I don't care. And if she can drag it out for 21 days, she can nullify Michigan completely. And then the Electoral College might end up with neither Biden nor Trump reaching 270 votes in the Electoral College. However, Trump is likely to win. But there is concern that the Democrats are staging a coup. I know. I know. You think it's silly. But apparently, Nancy Pelosi has been campaigning in Michigan. Why? If the Democrat House members have their elections clean and the House flips Democrat and more states flip Democrat in terms of their House delegations, then when the House delegations vote, because each state gets, uh, I believe each state will get uh, uh, one vote. Maybe. Yeah, I think I believe one vote. Right now, there are more Republican states than Democrat, meaning Trump wins if this goes to a House delegation vote. If the House flips Democrat and more states are have have Democratic delegations, they need only a few and Donald Trump loses. So Michigan may drag this out for months into a constitutional crisis. A new Democratic House may come in and then they'll vote to install Joe Biden. I don't know what to tell you for sure, though. It's hard to say exactly what we can expect. But let me just stress this to you. When the New York Times is publishing a call for an international intervention into our own country, you best be warned, this could get really, really ugly. If the, if the people on the left are actually saying that we should have UN forces enter our country, messing with our government, you think civil war is, is out of sight. Nah, you're wrong. What happens if you think many people say the, the left will never win? What if the left calls on UN forces who come into the US? Then you'd have UN versus US forces. You'd have fracturing, disparate, uh, groups, you know, forming their own splinter cells. And then what? Now, I don't think this is going to happen. 
Like, obviously, it's, it's a lot of hubbub. And this guy, Peter Baynard, is ridiculous for, for even considering having international forces come in. You want to talk about something really, really bad happening with, like, blood and violence? This is how you do it. Because the moment some U- UN soldier steps foot on this ground, you're going to see every right-wing individual say, get out. We've never had a ground invasion, I mean, in modern history, and we're not going to have one now. This should not have, well, you know, I was about to say it shouldn't have been published in the New York Times, but no, no, it should. I'm glad we know they're thinking it. This is really important. But I will say my, my bigger concern is that this is going to lead to escalation because this is the kind of unhinged psychotic stuff we're going to hear left to start calling for. We want the UN to oversee our elections. No, we don't. No, we don't. And I think our election systems are pretty bunk for the most part. But I don't know what else you do. I think there's going to be absolute chaos coming up November 3rd. But as per usual, we can only wait and see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Welcome to the fall of Portland. It only gets worse. You see, here's how the scenario plays out. Wild, violent leftists go around smashing up businesses and destroying everything. Then more moderate Portlanders decide to leave. The only people who remain are those who are okay with far left extremists romping about and destroying everything because they like the leftists. Now we can see Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler trails challenger Sarah Ayanarone by 11 points, according to DHM poll. All Portland area city and county measures are expected to pass. 11 points. Now, who is this lady? Andy No says Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler is polling double digits behind the self-described Antifa mayoral candidate Sarah 2020. Look at the skirt. She has a skirt with Che Guevara and Mao on it. <laughs> She's wearing a Chairman Mao skirt. Portland, you were a great place. You know what's really awesome? Secret Aardvark hot sauce. Talk about delicious. Fresh out of Portland. I think Portland also has, what is that? Voodoo donuts or whatever. Supposedly also really, really good. Yeah, those small businesses going full commies soon. You're not going to be. <laughs> Chairman Mao. Wow. That's great. That's great. That's where Portland's going. 11 points. It's what you can expect. They say the results were presented at a PBA meeting last week. Wheeler polled at 30% to Ayanna Rohn's 41, with the remaining 29% of surveyed voters split between writing in a candidate. Wow. 29% want to write in. They're like, both are awful. Ted Wheeler's trash. It's like one of the worst mayors we have in the country. But you want to you put an Antifa mayor in? The majority says yes. That's going to be pretty fun and exciting, huh? 16%. Uh, I'm sorry. 16% wanted to write in. 13% were undecided. It's an especially notable result given the poll was not conducted by either campaign, though PBA is supporting the mayor. Gugh, gross. That's the Portland Business Alliance. The results are somewhat surprising given that Ayanna Rones finished more than 20 points behind the mayor in the primary, in which Wheeler received nearly 50% plus one of the votes required for an avert to avert a runoff. At the same time, Wheeler has faced intense criticism. This we understand. Update 5 p.m. The mayor's campaign said internal polling shows the mayor will win in November. Our internal polling shows that we're in a position to win and that we will have a clear path to victory. Most voters are just tuning into this race. And that's why such a large number of respondents in the polls are undecided. We are confident that once voters have the opportunity to get to know both candidates, these numbers will move decisively in Ted's direction. Well, change isn't always a good thing, but let me tell you what happens. People hate Ted Wheeler. 
people in Portland seem not to like, not, not to like the guy. And now polling is showing that he's really down. They don't know who Sarah Ayanaron probably is. You see, they're going to go in and they're going to see Ted Wheeler and go, Gah, think again. Check anyone else but this guy. And then what do you get? You get the Antifa mayor, dude. It's going to be great. Well, I hope all of you have been paying attention to everything that's going down because I got to tell you, the way the media is playing everything, the way the Democrats are running everything, it's like 2016 redux. And you better show up your defenses because you quite literally are going to see Portland get an Antifa mayor. You want that? I didn't think so. Most people probably don't. But let's take a look at this. I want to show you something. Michelle Obama calls Donald Trump a racist as she pleads with undecided voters to end four years of chaos and vote for Joe Biden like your lives depend on it. You mean the chaos that you have wrought? No, thank you. I mean, at least not for me, but please, undecided voters, please go vote. And if you are a decided voter, please go tell your friends to vote because, uh, yeah, I don't think we want, we want the people who have been sowing the chaos to win. You want to know what I really love about this Michelle Obama thing calling Donald Trump a racist? It's this story right here. Critics tear into Joe Biden for saying wealthy people were able to stay home during lockdown because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. This dude's a racist, man. Joe Biden's been racist for 50 years. Nobody called Donald Trump a racist till he ran for president. That's a fact. Okay, for the most part, I'm sure people are calling him racist because of the uh, the, the Central Park Five uh, circumstance. But for the most part, Donald Trump was considered to be like a, a civil rights, you know, uh, award winner. And he was a celebrity. People liked him. People hated him. But he wasn't really thought about all that much. You have Joe Biden, who worked on the crime bill in 1994, which resulted in a lot of black people going to jail. You had Joe Biden, who was heavily criticized by Kamala Harris, who basically called him a racist. Now Michelle Obama is claiming that Donald Trump is racist, not to vote for him. Okay, I'll tell you what. I got an idea. I will avoid the the uh, most. I'm, I'm going to try and reduce the amount of racism we have to deal with. All right. In that case, I tell you what. Joe Biden is way worse than Donald Trump. If you want to play that game, Joe Biden has 47 years of proof that he's done nothing to help anybody. And Donald Trump has just about four years of proof that mm, far from perfect, but things have been pretty good. The economy was great. People trust Trump on the economy more. So I don't think this is going to work. They tried it in 2016. This idea that you can play to the farthest of the far left and keep going like that will somehow result in a victory for you to me is the definition of insane. It's it's the definition of insane doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But you're getting the same thing. I know it's not the literal definition of insane. It's the Internet's definition. But this is what you get. Joe Biden's campaign released a 24 minute video from former First Lady Michelle Obama. Twenty four minutes where she tears into Trump's record. She accuses Trump of using fear and confusion and spreading lies to win. So are they, man. Let's be real. Donald Trump says in Joe Biden's America, you get riots. And then people and then the left responds, this is your America, Donald Trump. Yeah, it's both true. Donald Trump is the president now. I'm not going to blame him for the riots that are happening in Democrat cities. But I will tell you this. Both sides are claiming that, you know, whoever wins, you'll get more violence. The Democrats have been saying the same thing. If, if Trump, if Trump wins, it'll be violence. Only, only if Joe Biden wins, will there be a clean transfer of power? Yeah, sure. That's not going to make me vote for you, dude. And I'll tell you what, you're the rioters, not the Trump supporters. So I'm going to go with the guys who aren't going around smashing up all the windows and screaming in people's faces. And you guys can do whatever you want, screeching about racism on the internet. 
She goes on to say, she said Americans are being sold lies from people who want to get rich or stay in power or sometimes both. Yeah, that's you, dude. That's Joe Biden, man. The desperate, desperate attempts to lie, cheat and steal for power. Accuses Trump and his allies of stoking fears about black and brown Americans and lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs. When did he ever say that? Trump didn't say that. Trump criticized the plan they had for bringing low income people into suburbs. Maybe you can criticize Trump for that. They want to urbanize the suburbs. That's the Obama plan. They want to bring in trains and low income housing. And Trump has been critical of it, saying they'll destroy the suburbs. I don't think he specifically referred to black and brown Americans. In fact, Black Lives Matter is overwhelmingly white. So you want to talk about the rioters? They're white people. The video comes after Trump returned to the White House from Walter Reed and resumed campaign tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Right now, our country is in chaos because of a president who isn't up to the job, says Michelle Obama. No, it's in chaos because every single thing Trump does is wrong. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, there is no circumstance where the media will ever give Trump a good day. I think even Nate Silver said this after Trump took out the most wanted man in the world, al-Baghdadi, people were like, well, you know, uh, Obama, uh, Trump actually, uh." Trump signs this historic peace agreement and they're like, it's actually bad for Palestine. If you can't give Trump credit on anything, I'm not going to believe you. I think you're lying. Now, I'll tell you this. I said a while ago that if Michelle Obama ran, she'd probably win. That's what I thought. Upon seeing this video, my opinion's completely changed. I don't think she would win at all. Uh, you know, I thought because she was an Obama and she was a very popular former first lady, she'd probably win. But I see the video like this and I'm like, y'all tried that last time. And Gallup is showing us that enthusiasm while high is not remarkable. It's we're, we're on track for a, a typical election year. Nothing special. No increased voter turnout. No one's going to come out for Joe Biden. Nobody would come out for Michelle Obama. And that's it. That's the end, man. The Democrats may actually lose because the only thing they have, because they have no policy victories, is, but Trump is bad. But Trump is bad. That's about it, man. How many times can you tell me that and expect me to to believe it? At a certain point, I just kind of tune you out. I think there was a potential for a real uh, voter surge among Democrats. If only they shut their mouths. Now people are just tired of it. Like, oh. I'm sick of hearing about this, man. I don't care. Yeah, and they'll tell you that Trump fatigue is bad for the president. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Is America the kind of country where somebody will do the opposite of what they're told or they'll do exactly what they're told to do? I don't know. I think the bigger question is, will this Antifa mayor actually win? Because that has bigger implications for how you live. If you're in Portland, man, my thoughts and prayers to you, man. Because you are going to have an extremist, violent, narcissistic lunatic as your mayor. You thought Ted Wheeler was bad. Wait till you get an Antifa zealot as your mayor. Then it's going to get crazy. I don't want to tell you, man. I am genuinely worried for what's to come in Portland if people allow something like this to happen. I am genuinely genuinely worried for what's to happen in this country if the Democrats and the establishment regain control. The progressive left, in my opinion, is blind by their own rage. They're saying, you know, orange man, bad, orange man, bad. Well, you're you're marching in lockstep with the establishment. And I'll tell you this. If the establishment wins, you will never get back into office. You will never get anywhere close to it. Trump winning is the best bet to defeat the establishment and then bring in a real populist. Democrats won't do it. They hate Bernie. They hate AOC. And they got them to pull back a lot of their policies, too. So you reap what you sow, man. 
I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.